Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And this is video episode number two, which is very exciting. Just, I realized we just pointed to ourselves, and I was wondering why you were doing that, but just, that's because it's on video. Just now. so you know, I am Marquez. I'm pointing at myself. Um, <laughs> just in case you couldn't tell the difference between them. Yeah. Actually, that's really funny, because that brings me right into... We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff today. We've got some electric car stuff we want to talk mm -hmm. about, um, some stuff going on with YouTube, and some features and some feedback we might have, and then also the world of like earpods, AirPods for Android, uh -huh. what's happening there. Again. Um, another again. year. It's great. But I want to go over some of my favorite comments on the first podcast video because now it's on YouTube. It's on the Waveform channel. You guys are watching it here again. Uh, if you're listening, uh, there's a lot of great comments. And obviously, now that we have YouTube comments, it's that direct, direct feedback, mm -hmm. immediate nice. feedback. I do wish podcasts kind of had a, a way to do that. Yeah. I mean, it we've seems... been using the Twitter kind of that way, but it's not as yeah. like immediate and like timestamps and all that stuff. It's it's super good. Um, you might notice a little bit of a theme here. All right. First one. Uh I don't know why, but after seeing this, I can't connect how Andrew sounds <laughs> to the way he looks. I thought I wrote that at the end. I didn't know we were jumping into this already. <laughs> it's great. Um, uh, here, I, wait, I have another one. Okay. I, there's a couple. Oh, there's wow. a couple like this. Uh, not going to lie, Andrew's face is not what I would have expected after listening to his voice for all these months. Ever heard of how someone's face doesn't match their voice? That's Andrew. This is my first time seeing his face. I had no clue what he looked like until now, and this isn't what I imagined. No shade, Andrew. Still cool as hell. I appreciate. I appreciate the no shade disclaimer at the end there. This is uh, this is great. This is the beauty of of going on videos. You, I, I never pictured a lot of the audio only podcasts that I listened to. Mm -hmm. I realized I, I was reading a lot of these comments and realizing like I do the exact same thing. Reply all. I didn't like look up what they looked like for a long time. Every time I do a like kind of uh, criminal uh, podcast or something like that, I refuse to look at what anyone looked like until after the end because I usually I get so into it that I, I have the pictures in my head and I don't want to mess up that like my imagination. It's like when it. you read the book after or when you see the movie after you read the book and you're like, that's not how I pictured that character. But yeah, all right. All right. So um, I'm sorry for anyone who I've my faces ruins your. I, I'm dying to know though. Like, I want to know what pe how people saw me in their head. Right, really I, bad. My really favorite bad. comment. I have no explanation for this, but in my head, after only hearing Andrew's voice, I could swear he had long hair. <laughs> so yeah, apparently that's how they'd picture you. Is this is the longest long my hair. hair's been in a bit, but it's just because I'm lazy because I don't go. feel like getting a cut. I'm. I, I don't have the patience for long hair, but I, I'm kind of just hoping that means you've got me as like a 
Fabio kind of vibe going on in your head. So uh, stop watching the video. No, I appreciate yeah. that. No, Imagine me like that. It's fun. I, I think the the point of the video podcast, I guess the whole point of this is like we're we're providing a little more uh, context. Like I, I didn't realize this, but I watched a, a bunch of video podcasts before I'd gotten into the podcast world. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I wasn't really watching them. I was listening to them but then glancing over every once yeah, in a while right. when something was worth showing or seeing. Mm-hmm. And that was why, that's how I consumed like the Joe Rogan podcast or exactly, yeah. or the H3 podcast or whatever other. They just kind of exist ambiently and then I'll glance over like, oh, that was kind of interesting. It's, al- it's almost like you see it and you can see how they're set up and it, it makes it feel personal. And then all of a sudden you realize you're not even looking at it anymore, but but you're still almost imagining what exactly what's already happening on the screen. So, yeah. I mean, we did this as another platform to have to have the podcast on because people wanted it. But our main goal here, and I know a lot of questions um, and comments we got were people worried that the video podcast was going to overshadow the audio format. And we don't want that to happen at all. Nice. You, sh- you should be... get the same experience either platform. Right. Minus video. It's basically the same yeah. thing. Now, one thing I will add, the Clips channel will be much more visual. That If you haven't yes. already seen the Clips channel or subscribed to it, might as well go subscribe now. The Clips channel will have its own clips and parts of the podcast, but like sectioned out and edited more into like their own videos. Yeah. And of course, like you mentioned, this helps discoverability. People can find the podcast on YouTube. It's really hard to just discover podcasts unless they're trending on mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts. So that's what the channels are all about. Definitely get subscribed on YouTube if you haven't already. That'll end my shameless plug. Well, yeah, but I also think the Clips channel, if you are an audio listener and at some point you think like, oh, I, like, I wish I saw that thing they were talking about because they're terrible at explaining things <laughs> um, verbally, then you can just go find it on the Clips channel probably and it'll be way easier to just see that one little section, maybe eight to ten minutes of it without having to like rewatch the whole video podcast or something like that. Yeah. Cool. Also, the intro is incredible. It's yeah, it just my, is. Michael just blew it. It's out just of the park amazing. Again. It's so, crazy. That if you if you have any reason to watch the videos, it's the intros are amazing. All right. So this past week, also on the MKBHD channel, you might have seen we made a video on right to repair. Mentioned that we're making a bigger piece on waveform. That is not this week. We're aiming for that to be next week's waveform podcast with even more interviews and even more opinions and and perspectives than before. So we're not talking about that this week, but that's upcoming. Stay tuned for that. It's going to be good. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted to jump right into is we finally have, and this is kind of all we have, but we have a name for Ford's electric F-150 pickup truck. So it's called the Ford F-150 Lightning. And yeah, that's kind of all we know. We don't really know much about the details, but I, I kind of have some thoughts about this. I'm curious what you think, but we, there's like two categories of names for electric cars. There is piggybacking on the established, already well-known name, Mm -hmm. and then some variation of it, Mustang, Mach-E, Taycan Turbo. We know what Porsche's turbo line is, so Taycan is turbo, right? Or we have like the totally new name because it's a cool new thing and we have Mm -hmm. to, Audi e-tron, uh, Tesla's models for that matter, or we'll talk Rivian, about another one in a couple Lucid minutes Air. too. Exactly. So that that's you know F one fifty seems to make sense because everyone knows Ford F one fifty. Ford F one fifty, deceivingly very popular in the U S. I think it's the it's most popular the, vehicle. Yeah, yeah, vehicle. I think, which is yeah. insane. So I fully expect. I I would be shocked if they didn't name it some variation of it. So Lightning. Yeah. Yeah, Lightning is like fine. I guess I don't. Yeah. I'm not for or against it. I think it 100% needed F-150. And while like this kind of doesn't sound like a lot of news, we've heard so many rumors about Ford and an F-150 line. And like that being, we've heard a million different pickups coming out. And even GM, is GM part of Rivian or investing oh, in Rivian? There's a bunch of big investors in Rivian, Amazon. Okay, Amazon uh, is... Either way, we we were wondering when the F one fifty comes out because no matter how many Cybertruck and Rivians and whatever there are going to be, we all know the Ford one fifty is going to be like that means pickup trucks made it to EV because yeah. because of how popular it is. And this is one that needed to keep its name. It needed to keep Ford F one fifty. I kind of wonder if they decided to go not with just EV after it because nah, they don't want that. Yeah, they like don't want that. I don't know. I think dumb, okay. But. So when they come out with this truck, because we don't know anything else about it, but I'm just gonna. I think this has to be 
better than the current F-150. Like, especially in the things that matter. To convert, matter, for sure. To convert and matter. Because as soon you can picture this as, like, if the F-150 Lightning comes out and it has poor range and worse towing capacity than the normal F-150, oh, yeah. that will confirm to everyone who had any reason to hate on EVs or not convert that they should not upgrade to an EV. They shouldn't switch. Yeah. So I think you, if you're for it, and I, I think they already know this, but they have to make something about that truck obviously better for pickup truck buyers. I think it's going to be towing capacity and traction and power because that's what EVs I think are good power, at. Yeah. Just horsepower, but the ability to tow way more and, and carry more things. But I I look forward to seeing what they actually make out of that truck. So something I haven't really thought about is like, there might even be that little added benefit to being able to charge it home because pickup trucks have such terrible gas mileage. Like if you're just doing your average commute, not everyone in a pickup truck is towing something every single day. Right. So they still have to commute to work. Mm -hmm. I would love to just never have to stop at a gas station because I'm sure they're stopping at on a like half an hour commute. They're probably stopping for gas three times a week. Mm -hmm. Now you never have to stop for gas on your regular commute and instead just supercharge for maybe some longer things. Um, that yeah. sounds great to me. Unless you're traveling all over the state because you do construction and you have to go to a million different sites. Right. Then I see that as a drawback. But like just being able to plug it in every night and never having to stop at a gas station. It's so. a huge win for a daily driver. I, I never even thought about this, but like you use the truck for work and then you plug it in and you use your home electricity on your like personal bill. I feel like maybe there needs to be some sort of established like subsidy or like your work will pay for I'm this sure. amount of your electricity bill. Cause it is amazing to wake up every day on a hundred percent battery. Mm -hmm. Like that's super useful. But yeah, that's probably an extra little layer of consideration for like, uh, I drive sure. a work truck, I need my work to pay for, not the gas anymore, but 50 bucks a month on my electricity bill. So when I wake up in the morning, I have 400 miles and I just drive. So Ho hopefully if you're at a good company, that'll be a pretty easy like, yeah. decision to make between you. But I, I yeah. really do think like out of all the EVs that have been announced in the last three years, maybe, I kind of think this is one of the most important, if not most hyped if that makes sense, because not generally in the EV world, but I think this has the most potential to just like bring people into the EV world. And we haven't seen something like that in a long time. I know Roadster yeah. has incredible specs. I know Cybertruck is cool. Oh, I yeah, know yeah. Taycan is like a sports car enthusiast. But if we're talking about pickup trucks, there are so many people with pickup trucks because they just work and they have a very specific purpose. Yeah. And if you're taking that most popular one, if no matter if it's a pickup truck or whatever, if you're taking the most popular vehicle in a country and making an EV, you're bringing people into the world. And right. I'm super excited about that. Two things on that. One, they've got to nail the price. I agree. This will be uh, probably yeah, be the most important EV yet if they nail the price. And if it's not- I like, think right off the bat, it will yeah. be insane. Yeah. And two, this is something I just thought of also, uh, maybe it's key advantages durability because this is something- uh, Tesla's talked about a lot with the semi truck is like cost of operation per mile mm -hmm. drops dramatically when you don't have to service it nearly as much like electric vehicles don't. So True. maybe maybe that's the angle for the pickup truck. But you had another one on here you wanted to talk about. Yeah, this is one. Uh, I mean, I've mentioned it before. I, I enjoy Subaru as a, a car company a lot. I drive an Impreza and I love it, even though it's completely falling apart. But that's my fault. And it has 170,000 miles on it. So I can't complain too much. But we've mentioned on here multiple times that Subaru seems like the perfect car manufacturer to finally make an EV because of how environmentally focused they are. They announced it. Yep. The Solterra EV. So we were talking before about bringing in legacy cars and making an EV or a totally new name. Solterra. Totally new name. I believe, and I don't have the article in front of me, it is a mixture between the Latin words soul for sun yep. and terra for land. Yes. Cool. So yeah. Look at me. I know Latin. Earth, there we wind, go. and fire. Yeah, no, Solterra, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I don't think Subaru is going to do Impreza EV and expect no, that to I would. I thought they would have done Outback EV because Outback oh, feels Outback. like their most popular. It is an SUV. So the, the picture is like the typical like- Yeah, like what do we have? Launch, we have the name and a picture this time? Sort of. It's like the typical like launch picture, which is like- Here's the headlights and the general outside of the car. Oh, silhouette. But like it's not total silhouette, but very dark, so you can't see. Yeah. And of course, it's driving in like the mountains by a beautiful lake. Sure. Um, so it's going to be an SUV. I think it looks a little closer to a Forester, which if you're not familiar, 
Outback versus Forester aren't that much different. Forester's a little more SUV-like, has a taller hatchback, and is a little taller and shorter, while the Outback stemmed from a station wagon yeah. and now is built up a bit, so it's longer. I think drives more like a, to me, sitting in it, I feel like I'm sitting high up like an SUV, but long, like my legs are out. Yeah, like a, an old station wagon, but either way, it looks like th this is closer to a Forester, at least in size. Mm -hmm. I the thing is, here's what's going to happen: is it's, it's going to come out, and everyone's going to go, "How does it compare to Tesla Model Y?" Because it's just the uh, one that yeah. is the same size that is the most popular that Tesla makes. Yeah, and I don't think that's the same customer. This is like a, a it's another one of those things where Taycan had to get compared to Model S, but like that's a different customer. Mm -hmm. And so Subaru buyers who are looking for eco-friendly plug-in, literally in the garage every day, but also go for a long road trip that's they're going to care about charging network bingo. they're going to care about like price friendly and that's hopefully both going to be nailed by this so yeah I, i'm i'm kind of interested in it because subaru's main like strong points are generally reliability which hopefully they can continue to do that yeah all-wheel drive which i kind of think is where they're not going to be able to like set apart quite as well because in cheaper cars all of their cars have all-wheel drive and that's usually more expensive so that's where they really set themselves apart in combustion engine cars. Yeah. But here, almost every every EV has four wheel drive. At this point, it didn't always. Or it wasn't always drive. that it, way. Not always. Yeah. It but. used to be like there was the Tesla Model S P eighty five, and then they made the P eighty five D, which was the dual motor because yep. they had a bunch of rear wheel drive, just single motor between the back wheels. Now I don't think Tesla makes any single motor cars. I think the Cybertruck might have a single motor version. Okay, but that might not even be true. I think all sense. of the all of their cars are, are all wheel drive, and most EVs now are putting two motors in the car. I'm so. going to be interested seeing more of more EVs come out with that to see who's if technology is any different in terms of like sending power and not power. Because generally, the way all wheel drive works in terms of traction is this wheel is slipping. I have the capability of making that wheel have less power and the opposite wheel have more power to make up for it yeah. and the, thus gain traction. And Subaru's been top of the line of that for years and years and years. Um, yeah. So I wonder if they're gonna lose a step here or lose a step up on the competition. I'm not totally sure. I think I would theorize that this is no longer a unique Subaru advantage. Exactly, that's because what in, I in about. EVs where traction is computer controlled, Literally every EV with dual motor all-wheel drive has better traction than literally every combustion engine car. Well, they're still EV. using computers to differentiate. They are, but the, the electric motor power. instant torque and instant delivery of differences in torque mm -hmm. is always going to be more responsive than what a computer can do controlling a gas engine. So the all-wheel drive traction of a Model 3 is world-class because it's a computer-controlled electric motor. And that's just going so, to be the way it is for all of them. Quick now. question about that. Is instant torque beneficial in traction? Because generally, immediate power creates too much spin in less traction, therefore yeah. potentially I think causing it's also, more. It's micro adjustments that make okay. it so good. So yeah, you do think of electric torque being like, put the pedal to the floor, immediate maximum torque, and that's really cool. But I think the micro adjustments of like your right two wheels go through a puddle, like in the in the first like 80th of a rotation of the tire the car knows it's in water and is already starting to adjust okay. traction huh. so it's that super quick and computer controlled stuff it's not a bad thing that they're all getting it i'm happy they're no, all no, gonna no, have I'm, amazing so traction what i'm excited about is when there's enough cars out there that they start comparing and seeing which ones are then now using this technology to really bring it to the best traction control possible yeah. i mean like we're going to see new things which are going to yeah. be really exciting you're going to see tank turn from a Rivian tank truck. <laughs> You're going to see weird like torque vectoring parking tricks probably. Um, but I want to touch on one thing you mentioned, which I think is the most important here in terms of people who are fans of Subaru is that a lot of people who buy them generally buy them for the outdoors for going on long trips because they have all wheel drive, they're cheaper and they have a lot of like space in them usually. And they, they have pretty good gas mileage for what they are as well. Yeah. Um, so range is going to be huge here. If this comes out with that, like, what was that one Hyundai that came out that had like uh, 200 miles of range? Yeah. I, I think it'll be fall flat and completely. Yeah, it would, just it would seem die. sort of a, a counterintuitive for exactly. a Subaru designed for adventures to have so short of a range that you're worried you can't pull it off. Yep. 
That's so, my main worry about it here. That's a, that's a combination of range and charging network. We'll see what the charging network mm-hmm. infrastructure plug-in. I don't think they've announced that yet. Is it going to be just like Electrify America? Is it going to be a, a bunch of different third-party networks? Yeah. Don't know yet. Uh, Tesla supercharges, it's still an option. But uh, yeah, we don't know yet. So that, I'll be interested because they're such a smaller company. They, they've got to be one of the smaller already established car companies now jumping into the EV market. As far as I know, because generally, like a lot of these companies are all, you know, branded under one where Subaru, as far as I know, is independent, Okay. Um, which, yeah, I'm surprised they're jumping in. I'm really happy they are. I think range will be huge if they could come out and say they have like a range similar to Tesla. Like this is is where you compare Tesla to. So what would you want to see if you were going to switch from your Impreza? What is it? Yeah. What would you want to see on paper at least for range if we gave you, let's say, Electrify America? Honestly, the only thing I would care about is just like top, top range on it, top battery range on it. 400 miles? 400 miles would be fantastic. 380, 320. 320 is where I'd start getting worried. 290. Yeah, I probably wouldn't think about okay. it. Okay, yeah. So here's the thing. Wow, we've talked about this for a long time, but I do want to say I was very hyped for this, but there are a lot of people on Twitter that were also hyped for it. I think they have a pretty loyal like uh, audience. Is there, Are they the one ben, plus? Ben of... Shun uh, was uh, like talking to me on Twitter for a while and we were talking about what we were excited about. I was like, all right, cool. There's other people like in the tech business that are really pumped about this. Um, yeah. But yeah, 400 miles would be incredible here the, the thing though is like if you want to say it needs range for adventuring assume those adventures are outside of even tesla's charging network right like, because if i'm going I, i'm living on like the west side of new jersey where between me and the uh the studio right now there's one tesla supercharger whereas mm-hmm. if you go south or north there's like four or five superchargers yeah. so if i continue to go west into pennsylvania which is if I'm not on a busy highway, I'm probably not going to hit a supercharger around there. Yeah. So like charging network is important, but I think top top range is most important. Okay. Because I think it'll nail everything else. It'll have st- space traction. Yeah, I think the design will be be solid. They they're always pretty good at designing like what you need. And for ruggedness, they're not they're the exact opposite of that EQS that we saw. Exactly. They have the bare minimum stuff inside. Fair. Cool. All right, well, we'll take a quick ad break. We'll come back and we'll talk about YouTube because I've got some thoughts on some of their new features. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from NetSuite. And that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. All right, I want to talk about some YouTube features. Okay. I talk about YouTube a pretty good amount, just like kind of around the studio. Probably it's been because, a while on the podcast since we've yeah. talked about it as a platform. There's a good amount of stuff. So here's here's what I'll, I'll give you two choices. So the new mobile quality selector or YouTube shorts, which one should we do first? I'm going to let you choose this one. Hmm. 
All right, I can probably get this rant out of the way real quick. That's, the uh, that's quality. I basically was saying rant on, man. Okay, uh, so YouTube's new mobile video quality selector. It's been around for a couple, couple weeks now. You've probably seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you used to just go up to the little three dots in the corner and hit the quality thing and then just pick your resolution, right? Simple. Yeah. People know big number means more resolution. People know that big number means more data. I think we're all on the same page there. I think YouTube tried to simplify it, and in their efforts of simplifying choosing quality, they actually ended up making it annoyingly more complicated, where now you're picking a text option. Let me just pull it up. I I tweeted a screenshot of this, so I can just read it to you real quick. Uh, You are now choosing not between like 1080 or 720. You're choosing between auto-recommended, adjust to give you the best experience for your conditions, or higher picture quality, adjust to use more data, or data saver, lower picture quality, or advanced, select a specific resolution. That's the new selector. <laughs> Woof. And it tells you what the quality is for your current video, and if it's automatic, it might cycle up to 720, maybe 1080 if your internet connection is good enough. If you want to s- just switch to 4K, because you know it's a 4K video, you have to go to the three dots, you have to go to video quality, you have to go to advanced, then you have to go to scroll down and then hit 4K. I'm not looking forward to that it's, at all. It's just worse. It's just worse. Um, it's more confusing, for sure. It's more clicks. It's it's a little more confusing. And I feel like YouTube was thinking, we want to simplify this and just make people go higher quality, lower quality. They're switching to lower quality because they want to save data, or they're switching to higher quality because they want better quality. So that's what we'll put in text. Mm-hmm. But people already know that, and I don't think any new users or brand new people to the internet are confused about and Does the big number help my video quality or data? Like, obviously, the big number is more data. Can I Just, clarify something here? Sure. So this is what happens now when you're inside of a video and you click the quality thing, Yeah. right? I could see this working better if it were, like, in your YouTube settings. It used to be. That's where it was, and you that's how you defaulted things. You're like, I want this default to be, I'm on my phone, like maybe if it's on mobile data, I want it to take less data. If I'm on Wi-Fi, I want higher yes. quality. Stuff like remember, that, that would make sense. Oh, I remember a really long time ago, I made a tutorial video oh, really? on, <laughs> there was a channel toggle, a, a login user-centric channel toggle where you could default to the highest available resolution on every video you watch. And that was a toggle you could check and you just accept that that use more data. But on the desktop, like I want that. Mm-hmm. And I, I made, I'm pretty sure that's still somewhere on the internet of like me showing people how to do that. Hello everyone, YouTubers and everyone who's subscribed already. Welcome to another HD tutorial. And in this video, I'll be showing you how to get your YouTube videos to always play in the highest quality without you having to choose it to do so. I'm the type of person to do that. I don't know if everyone's gonna do that, but I feel like generally people know if they're watching a video and it's blurry, they're gonna turn it up to the higher number. Yeah. So just one less click, higher number, easy. Um, no more mashed potatoes. This is also the thing. <laughs> this is the <laughs> thing, though, is when YouTube gets to this point where they roll out this feature and it's everywhere, they've thought a lot about it and they really want to do it. So my real feedback, if YouTube's actually listening, is they're probably not going to want to get rid of this. I would say give us an option if we would like to just go straight to the resolution selector. That would just be easier for a lot of people. I think a yeah. lot of people would do that. And maybe some some kid will make a tutorial on how to do it, and then one day he'll have a great tech channel where he makes all kinds of videos and reminisces about it. And then poops on YouTube on his podcast. Yeah. <laughs> all right, wait, hold on real quick. Adam off camera, who's on the board, just brought up a great point. We're gonna get him a mic so he can just like chime in straight away. But there's a possibility YouTube just wants to discourage people from switching to 4K right away, yeah. like immediately going to the highest quality and not really thinking about it. So they've added a little bit of friction. They've added a little bit of an extra hurdle to jump over so that most people just leave it in auto and don't think too hard. Because even if you go to higher quality, it doesn't necessarily go to the highest resolution. Oh, wait, really? It's still dependent on your connection. It just goes to one of the higher resolutions. So I was doing this before. I switched to higher resolution, and it brought me to 1080 on a 4K video. I tested it on our own video. Oh, wow. So I selected give me the higher quality. It went 1080. I'm on a 1440p phone. I mean, phone. it's higher quality it's than higher, what it was. But like, yeah. I am already toggling this phone to be a 1440p screen yeah. because I want to see those videos in 1440, and YouTube is making me jump again. So is it a bandwidth-saving thing? Adam might be right. I just wish they would just give I, me I, the option. I think there definitely is some aspect of bandwidth-saving there. 
Um, it, that makes the fact that it's more friction. I don't know if it necessarily. My argument would be less that it's more friction and harder to change, and more that it's like hinting, like hint, hint, nudge, nudge, like the way they explain it in text rather than numbers makes it feel like you're getting what is best for you. They're like, they're telling you what's you best for you, it. which therefore comes back to including less bandwidth and benefits them. Definitely. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. yeah. And then when you put both of those together, now they're just selling a lot of 480, 720 I'm, video. I'm dying on this hill, YouTube. I hate it. Please change it. Uh, all right. That rant is over. We want to talk about YouTube shorts. So we saw a headline earlier this uh, this week about YouTube creating this $100 million creator fund because they're going to start paying some of the top short creators. I, not even creators. It was some of the top short videos, I believe. They're going to reach out and pay them. Yeah, um, I read the... Uh, I'll just read the excerpt real quick. Yeah. Each, each month, they'll reach out to thousands of creators whose shorts receive the most engagement and views to reward them for their contributions. So if you have a couple shorts go viral, expect an email going... Would you like to get paid? Yeah. Out of the fund? The thing is, we don't know how much they're going to pay them. This $100 million creator fund sounds great in a headline, but if they're reaching out to thousands of people a month, I don't know what what yeah. kind of money it is. We'll it's still out. nice money, and it's still them trying to attract people to shorts, but I just like, I feel like shorts in general are just kind of a really great way of explaining how like YouTube launches these new features. They fall flat. And then they're trying to find ways to get people to do them. And I think yeah. that all because of that, it boils down to like, why are these not working? And why are people love YouTube? Like people made their whole lives on YouTube. You have, I literally have a job because you have, but like, why are these main creators not doing these other things? I think I can speak to that. Yeah. I, so first of all, the the creator funds that we keep seeing, it's like my favorite new trend of like, yeah. man, all There's right. There's a TikTok one this week for TikTok stuff. Exactly, same like a, thing. Yeah. And it's because the platforms realize they not just want, but need creators on their platforms mm -hmm. making stuff to make them work. That realization, great. Uh, now, YouTube shorts, so the hesitation by a lot of YouTubers to dive into shorts is really interesting. I think a lot of the longer term creators like me, mm -hmm. <laughs> have a bit of an aversion to YouTube releasing new, untested, unproven features because they could possibly have adverse algorithmic effects. Yep, They could possibly get killed in six months, and you will have just poured a bunch of resources and pivoted your channel down a path that ends up being a dead-end road. Yep. So the other end of that is if the feature works... I think there are a lot of younger creators or more nimble creators who will just jump right in and do a bunch of shorts or do a bunch of, what was the last thing, YouTube stories. I think that's might have been dead already. Story? Yeah, I, but, I don't see anyone post stories yeah, anymore. Yeah, but they'll... they'll once Even they, premieres. The thing is they launch a feature like that and they have a whole plan behind it backing it as if it's going to be the future of the platform. Mm -hmm. So when creators see that, they'll go, oh, okay, I see that stories is going to be a really big deal for YouTube for the... For, foreseeable future let me pivot hard and make sure that's a big part of my content strategy and then when it's dead in a year you feel like you wasted a lot of time resources you might have hired for it like that's a that's a big loss like that's a big risk to take but if it does explode and let's say shorts is the you know this huge future category on youtube a lot of younger creators who got in early and focused really hard on that are going to be really happy about it. Mm -hmm. So Shorts is clearly a response to TikTok. It's literally almost the same thing. Like you go in to hit Shorts on the YouTube app and it's this endless scrolling carousel of vertical videos. Yeah. It's kind of what you'd expect. The algorithm tries to learn you. Um, but YouTube knows that it needs YouTube Shorts creators instead of just people uploading to TikTok and then copying that file and also putting it on shorts, I'm which is most of sure what's happening. I'm sure that's what they're doing. That's what they did on Reels. Like, that's, that's all Reels is. It's literally like watermarked TikTok Yeah, videos. like literally all of Reels has the TikTok like yeah. watermark and the name on it. And yeah. people are probably just using Reels to find more people to go follow on TikTok. And they they literally show up in my Explore page. Like really? the ones that Instagram is suggesting to me on my Explore page have TikTok, in, like, TikTok logos on them. That's really funny. And anyway. if anyone was going to do though a TikTok competitor, it would be Instagram. It just makes them more sense the the demographic that is on TikTok is very very active on Instagram and it's just mm -hmm. that social media platform that short form social media platform that it makes way more sense on yeah and it's TikTok still blowing reels out of the water yeah yeah so YouTube I mean 
this is a smart move from YouTube, no doubt. Like they are the video home on the internet. Mm-hmm. And if you run YouTube and you see TikTok, another version of videos blowing up, of course you need to make a competitor for it to offer people an alternative and possibly they'll come to YouTube later. The question is how do you get those creators to come to YouTube? Okay, well, we have a creator fund. We're gonna start making it easy to monetize. TikTok is also still not easy to monetize and they're no, also doing a creator fund thing, mm-hmm. which is smart. Um, but I think generally at the end of the day, the creators looking to make a job out of it are thinking about ease of monetization first. Discoverability right behind that. Mm-hmm. And YouTube is trying to lock both those things up and they all, they obviously have discoverability, but the TikTok algorithm is something special. Just just surfaces things you want to see. It's really good. So they have that to compete against. I do think though there's the aspect that we touched on really at the beginning of that, you touched on it really quickly. It's just like, you're talking about bringing new creators in. YouTube definitely also already houses some of the biggest creators in the world. And they definitely want those creators to use their new features because if those creators use their new features, that's oh, yeah. still bringing more people in. And I think that's where you talk about the unknowingness of the algorithm mm. really starts making those big creators weary of jumping into some of these new features. We still don't use Premiere, Premieres. They've right. been around for a long time because from what we found- Have I explained this? I don't I don't know if we have. We may have, it just might as well do a refresher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So premieres, what happens with a, a premiere is if you think of like a, a movie or like say a TV show where it premieres on TV, everyone watches it at once. Mm-hmm. YouTube sees that on TV and goes, you know what? We're gonna be the video home of the internet. We'll offer something like that. So you can make a whole YouTube video upload it and then set it to premiere so everyone watches it at the same time live. They can't fast forward, they're all watching it with you. And there's a live chat and it's really cool and they obviously thought a lot about it. In theory is amazing. It's in theory a great idea. What I noticed because I've sort of stepped back and watched a bunch of premieres happen and saw what was going on with them, the impressions seem to plummet because of the first few minutes of the video going live because when you think about it when a video shows up in your sub box a bunch of people all click on it at once and they all watch it and then they leave when a video is premiering a bunch of people all click on the premiere and for those first 15 minutes however long the video is they all watch the premiere then when it's over they leave then it shows up in the sub box and i have no idea how they counted those live views Mm -hmm. typically seems pretty low to me so I haven't, we, we did a premiere with the, was it the blind smartphone, blind smartphone camera smartphone, test? Yeah, yeah. And I kind of observed the same thing where like the first hour it was 10 out of 10, like half the views of a normal video and then it eventually caught up. But what? I would just, I see that and I'm like, I'm not gonna keep doing this. Let me <laughs> clarify there. You say 10 out of 10, if you don't know what we're talking about, that sounds amazing. We're saying oh. <laughs> the, the best hour or whatever, or the best impressions for the last 10 videos, it was ranked 10 out of 10. So yeah. the worst, it literally had the worst rating out of our last 10 videos. Yeah, with like half the views of number nine. Yeah. So it was pretty bad. So yeah, I see that kind of thing and I'm like, well, once they figure that out, I'll do premieres again, but it's not really ready for me to keep diving in and exactly. pushing videos through that. Same thing happens with like stories they kind of did for a while and now it's, I, I'm pretty sure it's dead. Yeah, I think it's it's still there, but no one uses it. But like, if we're talking about how something we like kind of understand with the algorithm, but don't totally, this podcast right now is a great example because people might wonder why we made a podcast video channel and a podcast clips channel. And if you look at a lot of other podcasts, they do the same, Joe Rogan, H3, Lou Later, they all have separate ones. And the reason, the theory behind it is that if you have long form content and you have shorter clips, the watch, overall watch time on the channel is going to be all over the place because if you have 30 minutes of watch time on the long one and six minutes of watch time on the short one, it gets confused and has a hard time yeah. like serving those videos. Yeah. So that's why we separate them. And because of that unknowingness, people are creating these different workarounds on YouTube. And I think bringing that all back to now shorts, imagine being a channel like us that creates generally... 10 to 15 minute videos, now putting a bunch of, not just to mention that they're vertical, which we would never, ever, ever put on the channel, but putting a bunch of 60 second clips on where the watch time is 60 seconds, how is that gonna affect our 15 minute videos? Right, yeah. The answer probably is just separate shorts channel. I mean, we've seen that. Yeah. It's now you have a dedicated audience that is there for shorts and they will watch inconsistent watch time short videos. 
And I, if you do that on your separate shorts channel, great. I would consider that a fail for YouTube's marketing in the sense that they're hoping big creators bring this to their main audience, where the minute you switch it to another audience, you're going to lose a giant portion of yeah. your already subscribers. Because if they miss the announcement to like check out the shorts channel, they're never gonna see it. So now like as YouTube, they've lost already if that's yeah. what, what's happening. And so it seems like their fail safe to that is to try to dump as many people into shorts as oh. possible. Oh, I mean, yeah. How obviously. though? But that's a thing. We we were talking about shorts yesterday with Tim. Yeah. I tried to look at shorts on my desktop and I literally couldn't find it. Oh, uh, you I, won't find that on the desktop, but you will find it on your phone, which is where they're competing with TikTok. I mean, yes, I guess, you can watch TikTok still on your desktop. It's on desktop. It's there and you can find it, but it's the same way TikTok. TikTok on desktop, that's a tongue twister, exists, but you don't really care about it. If they're competing with TikTok, which is really what Shorts is and really what Reels is, you can watch it on the desktop, but it's all about that endless scroll on the smartphone and they've built that in and then they mm -hmm. put the button right at the bottom of the app where it used to be the explore page, or I think it's next to it oh, now. Oh, okay. So now their goal is to just dump as many people organically into Shorts as possible. Same way, you know, Instagram did where they replaced the add post button, put it up at the corner, oh, and put yeah. shop there. Same behavior. Let's just dump people in and put it in the place where they're familiar and they're gonna see it over and over and they're eventually gonna click it. So Instagram, a little weird moving around button placement like that, but that's basically what YouTube did. Get in there, get in Shorts, find stuff you're into, and then you'll be a Shorts viewer from here on out. I'm sure YouTube could figure out a way to put that on desktop. They're, they're one of the social media apps that probably gets the closest to mobile, equal mobile and desktop usage. Like Depends. Instagram obviously is so far mobile. TikTok is even further mobile. I would argue Facebook now is mostly mobile despite it originating on desktop. But like if we're talking about YouTube, I think they have a, probably more mobile users, but I bet that's much closer. I would push back just a little because I think it is oddly very specific to what type of content it is. And I think because literally shorts is required to be vertical. like Which is terrible. Yeah, so like, but that's because they want it to a, fit yeah. as the same TikTok thing. Like you can, you can do a horizontal TikTok, but it just looks ridiculous in the app. They want it to be the TikTok experience. And so they've built everything around it being just like TikTok but on YouTube, and then they're trying to bring creators in with the creator fund and with like. I all think these that's rules. where I was trying to go with like the fact that there is a higher average people that use YouTube on desktop because like it is, it was originally built on desktop. It became mobile, and even when you're using mobile, you're almost almost turning to landscape. Whereas TikTok works well because it's only supposed to be on a phone. Reels worked okay because Instagram is still a vertical scrolling mobile app. Mm -hmm. YouTube is not quite that. It was developed into that, it's becoming good at it, but it still always has its heart and soul in the desktop version of it. Yeah. And that's why this feature just feels a little off. I think me. if they if they wanted to feel less off, they would have made it a separate app, like a YouTube Shorts app, so Remember that you open IGTV, it and you go vertical, just like IGTV. That works, yeah. It worked bad because nobody's opening that app, so they have to build it into yeah, YouTube. Yeah, I just don't know how. Yeah, They've, mm. it's gonna have to feel a little off because it's different from the rest of YouTube, but. That's why TikTok took They off, should have so. just made a Clubhouse competitor. It makes yeah, well, so much more sense. I guarantee that's happening. <laughs> I guarantee it. I, do you think, though, because their whole shtick is video and Clubhouse's whole shtick is not video? YouTube did a uh, Clubhouse competitor. It would probably have like the little waveform video playing while you talked or something. It would look like one of those. You know how Twitter did uh, audio tweets? Yeah. Where you can talk and it'll just mm -hmm. make like an animation for you talking. Isn't, They'll probably do that. I think there's a Clubhouse competitor where they you upload your Bitmoji and that talks as it. Is that real? I believe so. I forget what it's called. I, I could fi it. I could figure it out. I think it's called Stereo, actually. That's weirdly in the middle of like, when I'm on Clubhouse, I don't even have my phone like facing my face. Like it's just next yeah, to me. It's called Stereo. Stereo, so you have to have it facing your face, but Wait, it's just replacing me... your face with it. With the, that's, I'll find, I'll find something. That's cool. dumb. I hate it. I think it's, I think it's actually kind of an interesting idea. Just adds like one more step of personalization where you still get to have that, like I'm talking to a group of people, but I don't have to like get ready or develop a set or anything like that. And it adds one more step of personal experience. I don't think it's a bad idea. I just don't think it's going to compete with Clubhouse. Just be, That's not the one feature that's going to make everyone move. Does it require, my core question is, does it require you to have your phone facing your face? 
so that it uses the like animation face tracking stuff. Wait, before I answer that, well, I don't know the answer to that question, if I'm being honest, but do you want it to have that no. or not? Okay. I would assume just because I believe it's it's available on Android that it does not do that, that it's probably just I hear a waveform, I make the mouth move. Okay. That's my guess. Interesting. I don't know. I've never <laughs> used it. I've only heard about it. Yeah. Just oh, a thought. I wouldn't be shocked if YouTube did a Clubhouse competitor, but we've, we've talked about this for a while. Uh, I think we're going to take a quick break. And we got to come back and talk about this AirPods for Android situation. Part what? Two, three, four? Part 75. All right. We'll be right back. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, that's probably enough talking about YouTube. Let's talk about nothing. Easy. That's I'm great at that. Let's talk about absolutely nothing. Um, they're coming out with some uh, earbuds. See what I did there? <sighs> Where's the cricket noise on the soundboard? <laughs> oh, that might have been the worst uh, joke I've ever told. No, the so anyway, for those unfamiliar, uh, Carl Pay's new company, he left OnePlus. He started this new company, this tech company called Nothing. And every time they make a headline... It's some sort of pun about how nothing has announced something (laughs) or somebody's announced nothing. Uh, The company name is nothing. And I guess what do we know now? Uh, They're launching wireless earbuds. Yeah, you can only announce nothing for so long before you have to announce something, which at that point feels like it's already destroyed the complete reason of having the company. But yeah, I digress. It's kind of funny that it's the same uh, the same like extra beat I have to give when explaining a brand name. When someone asks what my phone was, and I have to be like, this is the <laughs> OnePlus 9. And they go, the 
what? And I go, it's the, so the, the company name is OnePlus, and then it's the 9. So it's the OnePlus 9. Like, oh, okay, I get it. So now you're going to have to go, so what is this? The, the nothing then? one? So I'll have to go, oh, these are the nothing one. The what? Oh, um, so the company name is nothing, and then these are the one. So this is the that's nothing a, one. Oh, that's a God. great realization, and now... I just assume Carl Pay is going to continue to create companies, quit, and then name more confusing companies. This is, is that the about thing? seven. The what? <laughs> oh, uh, so the the company name is about, and then these are the seven. So this <laughs> is the about seven. Oh, got you better it, copyright got that got right it. now. I'll take ten percent. <laughs> uh, we don't really know anything else about these, right? Is that a product image? Um, there uh, is a product image. They have like a teaser. I feel like I saw it what I thought was an image somewhere, but I can't tell if they just created more out of the teaser. Um, so what we do know is they're partnering with Teenage Engineering, which someone I knew nothing about until Adam explained it to us. And they make some really, really good looking design stuff. Yeah. So I have these, the image we have of these are kind of like a, the bottom part of the earpiece, the earbud that yeah. is like clear. They're just teasing it, like it, every it looks, angle. It looks really nice, but at the same time, like what I'm most interested about is Carl is somebody who's really good at hyping up products. He was obviously amazing at OnePlus. They built their whole ecosystem kind of based on like flagship killer low price. Right. So when I originally see Carl Pay starting a new company, I kind of think it's going to go in that low price route. The problem is, is teenage engineering is not that by any means. They are very expensive because they make super high quality stuff. So is this going to be super hype, high-priced, beautifully designed earbuds, hmm. or this is going to be the one plus of earbuds that is cheaper with really great specs and competing against AirPods or Galaxy right. Buds Plus. I would imagine, I mean, that the vibe I got was closer to OnePlus just because really? of like the teasing that I've got where it's like, look at all that we're going to deliver for you. But... Yeah, that is a really good point. Like the collaboration, because you still you see stuff like they collab with Hasselblad, and now that the phone's more expensive. But does a collaboration with Teenage Engineering mean that this product will be more expensive? I, I guess maybe. I don't even know if it sh just has to do with that they're collabing with Teenage Engineering, but if they're helping design it, they use very high quality products, and I think just literally based on what the build quality is going to be, sounds like it will be more expensive. So I'm going to go on the other side of the coin of that, and I'm going to guess these are expensive. Mm. Do we want to try and guess a price based on yeah, let's almost guess. nothing? Let's guess the price. So we yeah did it again. Let's go. Uh, wow. So we know silhouette, we know company name, we know the name. They're wireless earbuds. I say these are 149. That's your cheap following yeah. in the footsteps of OnePlus? Well, not quite. No, uh, they're not going to be like these cheap buds that you just Bluetooth connect to anything. I think they're going to go like, look how beautiful these are. They're transparent. They sound amazing. And they're only 149, but they sound like 499. I think that's going to be the angle. But Are there 499 earbuds out there? Oh, uh, yeah. Really? There really? are six ninety nine. There are thousand dollar earbuds. Yeah, there's but, in ear uh, monitors. I well, think yeah, gonna, I was gonna say there's in ear monitors and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a hmm, if all, I were Audi, out Audis, Audis, Audis. Uh, Audis are the there's <laughs> like, yes. I had those. We they sent us those ones that like the they weren't truly wireless. They just had wires. But yeah. re remember, they were like uh, they felt like they like crawled into your brain. Yeah, they sounded really good though. They did. And they were ridiculous. They did. But, and they were like open back also. Yep. That was. They're really cool, but they hurt and they're really like bad after nine hundred dollars or something. Um, okay, it's, to me, if I were saying these are like trying to compare to things, I would say it's comparing to Buds Plus or Pixel Buds or okay. Sony or AirPods even. So I, I would think one forty nine would be like right even. So cheaper to me would be one twenty nine. Okay. 149, I think, is a good guess. I'm just saying I don't think it follows the OnePlus playbook. So those competitors you named, uh, Pixel Buds, 159. Those are actually, I think those are 129. AirPods which is a bad example. Pro, 250. Yeah, and AirPods regular, 159. 159. Right? So Sony's are in the range. Like one, are they 199? No, they're, I think they're 299. Are they really? XM3. Okay, maybe 149 uh, is kind of OnePlus-y. This, the problem is, is just like, there's so many earbuds. It can, yeah. It's really easy to get lost Sony's in Sony's WF-1000 XM3s, the wire 
Less wow. noise canceling earbuds with a little bit of ANC. One seventy eight at Best Buy. What's worse, having to explain to somebody that OnePlus is the name of a phone, or that nothing's, or just having to say a Sony headphone name out loud? It's if I'm trying if I'm trying to direct somebody directly to buying it, I hate the Sony name. It's like <laughs> okay, look for the Sony ones, and then they've got this long name, but they're black, and it says XM three at the end, and they're like wireless noise canceling. Did you find them yet? I, is that enough explanation? I could see like telling your dad to like look this up on Amazon and he's just like there's just a bunch of RAM on my screen or like some <laughs> random like motherboard because he just got all the numbers and letters wrong I think yeah. I downloaded something That's, what's going <laughs> That's... on uh, yeah no I think one I'm gonna stick with 159 is my guess I'm gonna go 199 I think they're gonna be a little on the hyper side and more builds quality I wouldn't even be surprised at 250 okay uh, there's also Pixel Bud rumors which are also very light very light uh, we have a name and a color. Is that it? Pretty I think that's much. It. Pretty much all we know is like it's about the right time for them to announce. And there was this like Google Nest email that went out that accidentally showed a, I believe, a green colorway of right. one of them. And we also, I think, saw a white colorway of one. I know there are, were ones that were white already, but they were white and black. I believe there's a, a rumor, a leak of a full white one. So the the price is in the rumor. Uh, they're, so they're the A is series it, or the Pixel Buds A series. Is the price going. in the rumor or are they just guessing it based off of previous prices? They're guessing it based on previous okay, prices. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we could probably guess again. So like uh, Pixel Buds 2 that are out right now, 279 Wait, what? Sorry, that's Australian. 179 uh, I was going to say they're not that My bad, Australia. Do not uh, buy them for 279 Yeah, 179 for the Pixel Buds that are out right now. So does an A series cut that in half? Like when we see the Pixel 4a, that's a pretty cheap Yeah, font. right. If it's A, does that mean it's going to be cheaper? It's weird that they would name it different and not just three, or did they just... Right. I mean, they don't have the best track record. Pixel Buds 1 were hilariously bad they're those yeah. ones that were supposed to like translate uh different languages for you which oh, right. clearly it was just the most typical like google random like feature they throw out like remember the chain link fence like eliminator yeah. for photos it's like hey we're gonna do this and then just like let's never talk about that again yeah it kind of got swept under the rug um, pixel Bud 2 i've heard people have had quite a few issues with i think adam is one of them he said they disconnect pretty regularly yeah i so liked no. mine i only okay. used them for like a week which obviously i won't have nearly as much experience with glitches but i had mm -hmm. like one phone connected and it was fine but they're 179 and they're pretty premium i'm gonna guess pixel buds a if they come out are going to be 59.99 i'm stuck between 99 and 129 even though pixel buds are 129 Nine. 179 current it's pixel still cheaper buds. It is cheaper. I have less of a margin when you're like cutting price at that price already. True. I'll go 99. Okay. 89. We'll have to have somebody like write these down and fact check us and see if we get these right in the future yeah, when they come out. Wrong. Uh, last one is uh, another rumor, a uh, new Sony earbuds rumor. Yeah. So uh, we just mentioned the a w little more meat to it, I feel Yeah. Like. So we mentioned the WF-1000XM3s. I really like them, but they are like big annoying earbuds like you have yeah. to sit down and listen to them because otherwise they'll fall out your ear because they're so heavy Which is like, like what's the point if i'm sitting down and listening i'd rather just have over over here they're more comfortable they yeah. probably sound better they have bigger drivers but like it's a, some people just like in-ear monitoring type, I guess. But, but they're wireless too so it's different they look like um like an like a bluetooth like phone accessory like the headsets back yeah in the day when somebody would talk like this on their bluetooth exactly. and they have a mic you can do that stuff you look like you're like some wall street like trader or yeah. something like that the rumor is these mark fours will be a different shape actually uh yeah, if you're in the video podcast or at least the clips you can see this new different shape rumored which is a little more of like a circular a little closer to a galaxy bud yeah type it looks shape. way more like galaxy buds I would I like say oh, from just the leak, I mean, and this isn't confirmed, this is just a leak, but uh, I'd say it almost looks like half the size. Right. I'm, I'm curious if they will have both the same sound quality and either the same or better ANC. Mm -hmm. um, just as far as like strength of noise cancellation, I didn't find most of the earbuds that I've used to have very strong noise cancellation. I'd say, honestly, AirPods Pro have the strongest noise cancellation, ANC, active noise cancellation, mm -hmm of any that I've used. It's got a seal, it's got the mic, it's really using that that computational power. Uh, I wonder if that's gonna be a big focus of these or if it's just, hey, we made the same great sound but smaller. 
which is also fine. But I feel like it's fine. if you're going to get more buyers, you want to do a little more than just that. I'm sure they'll probably say it's like 10%, but they'll throw some percentage out there that's yeah. not actually noticeable and that like maybe some people will be like, oh yeah, this one does. It does sound 10% better and then just placebo. But the fact that it's smaller to me, which is like, kind of want to go on a little rant here at the end of these rumors because like go for it that's the that is an example of the reason i dislike the majority of truly wireless earbuds that aren't airpods um is they're too big they're too big and they're big in a, a strange way essentially if your earbud is in your ear i want the least amount of it hanging out horizontally if that makes sense because right. when the only thing that is keeping it in your ear is the small silicone tip. The further out it goes, the further the center of gravity pushes out your ear. And with every step you make, whether you're walking or running, you can just feel it slowly, slowly weighted on the outside, pushing down and thus pulling it out of your ear further and further. And when you have a product that is that small and not connected to anything, the last thing you want to happen is it for, to fall out of your ear. Yeah. So you can make the best silicone tips in the world. If it is too heavy on the outside, it is going to fall out. A perfect example of that, Surface Buds are ridiculous and have like a ton coming out the side of your ear. There's some old Bose ones I despised because they yeah. sat so far out of your ears. And the, the XM3s as well are like that. I would say the, the pushback for the XM3s would be, you know how you see the ads of like what you expect people to do with the product? I think they expect people listening to XM3s to kind of just be sitting down and not really doing anything, which is a different type of earbud experience than walking it's around the, wrong the city, type. walking, it's wrong. exercising. It's, the, it's wrong. It's a different earbud. It's still an earbud and it's still focused on quality and being wireless and connecting to your phone, but it's a little different. That would be the XM3 okay. pushback. I agree with the others though, like especially... I guess if you're trying to do, you know, Pixel Buds and Galaxy Buds, they're getting closer into your ear. I, I think Galaxy around. Buds Plus are some of the best. It mm -hmm. just, they do come out a little bit, but because the main thickness is at the back part that's touching on the inside of your ear, the center of gravity is closer to the your ear canal. Therefore, it doesn't feel like it's going to pop out. There's no wiggle as you're moving. I use the uh, Jaybird Vistas, and the reason I've been using them for so long is because, and we test a lot in here, um, we get... Jabra, Anchor, like everything you could ever think of makes it into the studio. And the first thing I do is try them on and like walk 10 steps back and forth. And I can instantly tell if I think they're going <laughs> to fall out. The, mm. Jabra, or the Jaybird Vistas that I have are amazing. They just yeah. like, they have a little wingtip, but not anything that's gigantic. And it's just enough to almost fit flush with my ear. Maybe that's a, a me thing, I think. It's, but I think they fit perfectly. Yeah, I, my theory is there's, there's a different, like target demographic. I'm thinking of like surface buds were huge, but they're you're just sitting in an I'll, office. I'll give that credit. That's supposed to be the, I mean, I'll give it credit for having a stupid capability of being able to swipe through your PowerPoint. Mm. It needs to be bigger to do that. Sure. Yeah. Why you would ever want to do that again, I don't know. Um, but there's still are, there's still plenty of ones where I'm, I mean, I'm sure you've tried it too. You, you put them in and the minute you start walking, you can feel it slowly just like yeah. pulling out because they're bouncing. I immediately try it with the ones that I know I'm supposed to walk around in. Like mm -hmm. the Vistas are an outdoorsy type, oh, yeah. like go for a hike in them. Like the Galaxy Buds walk around every day. AirPods Pro walk around every day. Pixel Buds wear them all the time. All of them have done a pretty good job with the center of gravity. So I fully agree with that. Like you got to get that yeah. in closer to the and, ear. And AirPods doing the silicone tip was huge because the original ones didn't fit in everyone's ears. But the thing is, is their weight in that little, you know, if you want to imagine it like the top of a toothbrush in the handle part of the toothbrush, that's where all the weight is. And that very well fits the stem. in that li the, the stem. I'll call it a toothbrush. Okay. Um, it fits like perfectly in that groove in the side of your ear and therefore puts all the weight there and isn't pulling it out of your ear. The minute stuff, it starts pulling it out. Okay, that's a long rant. I just it's like, like, it's the main thing that I, when I test those buds that make me very upset. I'll leave you with one more thing. Okay. Uh, one of the best features of really nice headphones is a large spatial sound. Mm -hmm. And the closer the driver is to your ear, the harder it is to achieve that sound. So in really nice over ear headphones, the driver is, in, is set back from your ear and you mm -hmm. get a better, I think it's called soundstage. And so in really nice listening earbuds, their challenge of getting that driver away from your ear directly translates to the center of gravity, making it feel like it's gonna fall out of your ear. 
I'm sure people listening to this who make products are like, there's all the reasons why we, we do the things we do and we, we change the designs, but just another thing to think about. I, I just feel like uh, that shouldn't be the number one part. I mean, like good sound quality is always great, but good sound quality sucks when it's an earbud laying in a sewer gutter because you were walking down the street and it fell out of your... Different strokes. <laughs> Different strokes. The other stroke's wrong. <laughs> well, anyway, I think that's where we'll end it. We've talked our faces off for a bunch of different reasons and topics and ranted but again if you're watching the video version let us know like what you want to see done better what types of stuff you liked and didn't like we've changed the main angle a little bit got this eye level a little yeah, we, more consistent we dropped the banner behind us uh, if you're on the audio just come check it out really quick to see like now you can imagine unless you don't want to see what my face looks like and want to keep it as the your mystery. yeah the mystery I'll accept that too, as long as I look really cool in your mind. Fabio. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> other than that, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Catch you later. Waveform is produced by Adam Molina. We are partnered with Studio 71, and our intro outro music was created by Cameron Barlow. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.